Um, Titus, the book of Titus was written around somewhere around 65, 66 AD. And Paul was writing this letter to Titus. And Titus was a Gentile believer who was one of Paul's longest standing companions. Titus was the guy that Paul would send places who was kind of a brute. He was blunt. I like to think of him as being a, a big, bustly, burly, hairy-chested man. He'd send into places and he would do his work. And I think maybe Timothy was more of the grace guy and, and Titus was more of the brute force guy. And so um, he sent Titus um, to minister in the island of Crete. And if you don't, if you don't know what uh, the island of Crete is, it's actually an island that is south of Greece. Um, it's the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean. It has an area of over 5,000 miles, 650 miles of shoreline. It's beautiful. In fact, if you go and you go online and you search out um, the island of Crete, you will see that uh, people go there and vacation, and it has mountains, and it has beautiful pink sand beaches. Can you believe that? I mean, it's, it's, it's super nice, and you can go there, and they have vineyards, and, and they have a bunch of really cool stuff, and people, people go there all the time and visit even to this day. And so, um, but it's interesting, although the island was beautiful, um, the people of Crete were very corrupt, and um, it was filled with wickedness. And so, um, last week we just talked through chapter one a little bit, and we talked about how it appears from the chapter that Crete was having more effect on the church than the church was having on Crete. And so, um, so Paul was writing Titus, and he was kind of strongly encouraging him to um, speak to the people and appoint leaders who would go and have a make a difference on the island of Crete. And so. Today we're just going to keep on reading. I'm actually going to read Titus chapter 2 in its entirety, and so I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, but it says this. Again, chapter 2 of Titus. It says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the old men be sober, uh, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, and that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, uh, to be discreet, uh, homemakers, good, obedient to their own households, and the word of God uh, may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, uh, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, uh, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Wow, that's quite the uh, requirement. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, uh, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Amen? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous 
four good works. Interesting, huh? Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. Lord, please be the please minister your word this morning, Father. Oh, I pray that you will um, give me clarity of thought this morning, and that man, you'll be glorified, and that you'll be lifted high, Father. I I pray for. Um, again, all the people that are here, all the people that are listening online, may your spirit communicate truth and may your spirit unveil um, the things in our hearts that need to be changed, Father. May you illuminate our hearts and may you um, just allow us to see the areas of our life where we have been missing the mark, Father. And I, again, I pray that uh, you will convict us and you will change us and you will transform us. You will mold us, God. I pray that you will be exalted through um, this message in Titus this morning, Father. Even though Titus was written, you know, 2,000 years ago, God, we, we believe that your words are true, that your words are effective, that your words are powerful, Father. I just pray that your word will continue to do its work this morning, Father. We know it's living and active, God. I pray that, again, that you'll be glorified this morning in everything that we do and everything that we say, Father. May you um, bring the change in our hearts that, that, that you see, Father. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. You know, maybe this is a bad question to ask, but have you ever met someone who was really bad? Have you ever met someone who was really bad? And um, I'm not looking at you, Kristen, but have you ever met someone who's just really bad? And you kind of wonder if, man, I, I don't know if there's... I don't, know, I don't know if they can really change. You know, you think may, maybe they can, ah, I don't know if they can really change. A- Amy, I don't know if they can. You know, you meet someone who's really, really bad. You know, we used to know this, this lady who was a habitual liar. And she would lie about every, literally anything and everything and everything and anything and everything and anything and everything and everything. And sometimes she would lie about things that didn't even need to be lied about. And, you know, I would see her in church and I'd be like, I know that you, you're here in the presence of the Lord, but like, it, can they really change? Can they really change? Maybe, Maybe they can change, Andrew. I don't know. Maybe they can't change. I don't know. Like, but can they really change? Have you ever known someone who's been really bad and you wondered if they can really change? Yeah. Remember when I first started in ministry, um, I was serving as a youth pastor, and we had a bus ministry where we would pick up kids, and we'd pick them up in the bus, and we'd take them to church, and then we take them back, and we picked them up um, kind of in low-income housing. And these kids were insane. They would be wrestling. They'd be fighting. They'd be cussing. They'd be doing all sorts of stuff. I remember one time I thought, you know, it would be really nice for me to get them some pizza on a Wednesday night. I got them some pizza, and they trashed that pizza. One kid took the cheese off the pizza, started licking it like this, and threw it on the floor. I'm like, what is happening? And I like, like all my time and all my efforts, and these kids are like throwing pizza all over the place. One time we took them to a corn maze. I'm like, all right, guys, you all need to stay in the, you know, stay together. I open up the doors. They run out like children in the corn and like to disappear into the corn. I'm like, what's happening? Like, man, sometimes I just wonder. When you look at someone, you wonder, Sometimes, 
Maybe that's a bad question. But you wonder, can, can they really change? I don't know. Can they change? Maybe someone from looking, so maybe someone looking from the outside might have looked at the people of Crete and said, <laughs> they can't change. That's nuts. These people aren't going to change. You know? Even, even Paul said this about them. He said, for, they are, uh, for there are many insubordinate. Uh, they are both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those who belong to the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, um, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And he said, this testimony is true. You wonder, can these people really change? You know, sometimes I think, you know, you just, you, you, we think, you know, people are who they are, and we just need to learn to live with it. It's almost, it's almost offensive nowadays to say that someone can change, isn't it? There's a lot of pressure now to believe that people can't change. You know? You know, Billy is just a product of his environment. Uh, it's, it's, it's really just a, a generational curse is what it is. And I wonder how many of us, when you think about change, I wonder how many of us have sat down and asked ourselves, can they change? And maybe we even sat down and asked of ourselves, can I change? Can, can, can I change? Like, like, like maybe I can change superficially. Like maybe I can go and I can buy some nice clothes and look all fancy like Nolan here. Maybe I can you know, look cool, but, 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 but maybe it's just, it's just superficial. I can't really change, can I? Can I? Can I change? And here Paul, I kind of wonder if maybe Titus was wondering this about the, about the ministry of the people that he was trying to reach out to, right? Like he's, so, 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 so Paul left Titus and Titus is here in Crete and, and, and Paul's kind of talking to him. I wonder if Titus was maybe thinking like, okay, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm an effective, burly, big man. I can, like, but, but I'm wondering if I can actually change these people. I wonder if I can actually do anything here. And, 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 and Paul is, is talking to Titus, and he said, listen, I want you to help the church change. In fact, it's interesting because when you read um, Titus chapter 2, Paul had so much confidence in the change of the church that he said in verse 10, which we just read a few minutes ago, that the Cretans will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. That's a pretty big statement. That isn't like a superficial change. That's a big change. He, he, they will adorn the doctrine of God in our Savior in all things. In another translation that says, they will make the teaching about God 
attractive in every way. Can you imagine living your life in such a way that you make the teaching of God attractive in in every way? I mean, that's some confidence that he had in the people of Crete. So how do you, man, how could Paul look at them with such confidence? How could he look at that ministry with such confidence? How could he look at these people that were idle talkers and deceivers and their mouths couldn't be stopped and uh, liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons and say, yeah, that, that's them, but they are going to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. They will make the teaching about God attractive. How could you look at these people with so much confidence? Because i got to be honest, sometimes, man, like when I look at people, I'm like, I don't know if I, I like it. Like, if, they, if, if they make it to heaven, it's going to be by the skin of their toes, right? Like sometimes I look at people, like, I just don't know if it's like they, they, you know, you look at people, they, okay, so they've been a follower of Jesus for so long, and yet there hasn't been any change. It looks, it seems like, you know, they're just going through the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. It's like, I just don't know this lady who's just lying all the time and lying all the time and lying all the time. Like, I don't know, like I, it's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a mighty act of God that changes them. But yet Paul is able to look at these people in Crete and say, They are going to make the teaching of God attractive in every way. How in the world was he able to look at them with such confidence? And so I envy that. I'm like, man, I wish, I wish, I wish I had. You are going to, he looks at them and he says, They will make the teachings about God attractive in every way. Cretans, yuck. That's not beautiful at all. They're they're evil beasts. They're liars. They're slanderers. They will make the teaching about God attractive in every way. How do you have that kind of hope? How do you have that kind of confidence? Let's look a little bit closer at the passage. Let's see what he says. Let's go back to verse 11 again. He says, For the grace of God, hmm, for the grace of God, that brings, man, it, it, he doesn't say that it brings lollipops and cotton candy. He doesn't say that it brings money and prosperity. He doesn't say that it, it, it brings a vacation home in the Keys, amen? But he says, for the grace of God, that brings, man, salvation. I, I, I think there's, there's an interesting dichotomy there between the grace of God and salvation. See, when you, when you realize, you see, salvation means, it means rescue. It means deliverance. I think for, in order for you to understand God's grace, you must first realize that you need a savior. You need a rescuer. You need a deliverer. And grace is God's unmerited favor. 
No one can earn it. No one can work their way to it. It has been given to us uh, by God freely as a gift. And it's interesting because he says it it has appeared uh, not just to a select few, but it says that it it has appeared to all men. In other words, anyone can come to it. You know, I'm I'm not sure about that. Paul, do you even know the Cretans? They're liars and drunkards and brutes. They're hopeless. I mean... I mean, have, have you even, Pastor Evan, have you even, been, have you even been listening to the news? Have you even been watching CNN? Have, have, Evan, have you, do you realize where we're at in the world? Do you realize how lost the world is? Do you realize how people are evil and how things are terrible and Russia and Putin and whatever? Evan, have you seen the depravity of the world that we live in. Have you seen these Cretans? They're evil beasts, drunkards, liars, whatever. Have you seen the extent of the brokenness in the world? Have you seen the extent? Man, things are so bad, I just don't understand it. Sin is so dark and corruption is so deep and things are so terrible, Evan. Have you, have you, have you even looked around in the world? Listen, as vast as your sin is, I'm talking to someone today, as vast as your sin is, as black as the deepest depths of your heart are, as corrupt as your thoughts may be, listen, God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater. You just, you just don't understand the way the world is, Pastor Evan. Listen. You just don't understand the way things have been, man. You don't understand my past. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the way that I treated my parents. You don't understand the way that I was with my last relationship. You don't understand the way that my language is. You don't understand. Like you, don't, you don't understand. You don't understand the way the world is. You don't understand how terrible things are. Listen, God's grace is greater. That's something that we can rejoice in this morning. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. He lays this out beautifully. beautifully. He says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Amen? And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And death was reigning, but, but listen, the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's, and it's capitalized, it's talking about Jesus, righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedient, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. See, I think one of the reasons why Paul could look at the people of Crete with hope was because he knew of God's grace. And he knew of God's grace, not just as a, oh yes, a praise the Lord, hallelujah, Sunday morning kind of grace. But he knew of God's grace because he had experienced it firsthand. 
I would argue. I mean, I mean, I mean think about Paul. At one time, Paul, in Acts chapter 7, it says that he was uh, there uh, at, at, uh, guarding the cloaks of those who were stoning someone. Someone who was a Christian. And then in, in Acts chapter 8, in the first, in, I think it's the first verse of Acts chapter 8, it says that he, was, he began to breathe out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So he was someone that was persecuting the church. He was someone that was going off and dragging off men and women and bringing them into prison. And like, he, he was someone that experienced God's grace firsthand. And so sometimes I think, I think some we, we might look and like, oh my goodness, how, how, like these people can never change, they can never be transformed, they can never, but, but I think the reason that he was able to look at them was because he was someone that had experienced God's grace and God's hope firsthand. This is what I think happens sometimes. I think when we experience God's grace, um, sometimes we just leave it there. But, but God's grace is transformational. Have you thought about that? It's transformational. Man, it's transformational. Look, look, look close, closer again at the passage. If you, if you look closer, you can see that In verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He's not just talking about grace as like like some type of an emotion or some type of a feeling or some type of verb or whatever, but he's talking about something for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then down in verse 13, he he uses the word appearing again. He said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think, I think what he was talking about in verse 10 and in verse 13 was he was talking about a historical event. He's talking about a person. He's not talking about some type of emotion. He's not talking about a word in the dictionary. But he's talking about person. He's talking about Jesus. You know, we can have hope this morning for ourselves and for other people because it's based on something that actually happened. We can have hope this morning because we can see that that Jesus came and that he had grace and he had mercy, the woman at the well. He had grace and he had mercy on the ten lepers. He had grace and he had mercy on Matthew, the tax collector. He had grace and he had mercy on Zacchaeus. He had grace and, and mercy on the man who, 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 uh, who, 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 who on, on the man whose, whose ear was chopped off, Melchus, who was trying to arrest him. Uh, he had grace and he had mercy on the, on, 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 on the thief on the cross. Like, 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 if you can look at it and you can read, like, 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 I, grace, I, I think, I feel like when we have an interaction with Jesus, it's transformational. It's transformational. Sometimes I, I look at people and I wonder, you know, if, if they've really had an experience with the Lord. 
Because really, grace is meant to be transformational. You know? So worship team can come back up again. Man, when you, when you come into God's presence, it changes things. It transforms things. It, it changes our perspective. It changes our heart. It changes our outlook. It, it, it changes our thoughts. It changes our mind. And I think Paul knew that although these people were liars and brutes and thugs and everything else, he knew that he knew of God's grace and he knew what it, he knew what could happen in just a moment in God's presence. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you have been Maybe you're here this morning and you've been um, maybe you're here this morning and you have just been struggling with God's grace. Maybe it's uh, his grace in, in your life or maybe it's his grace for other people. Maybe you look at the world through the lens of the world where you see all the, um, everything just seems hopeless. Everything just seems lost. Everything just seems distorted. And I guess I want to remind you this morning that, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is full of grace He's full of mercy. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still in power. He's not caught by surprise. And he wants to pull you closer to him. God, I thank you so much for this time to come together. God, I thank you for your word, which is true. I thank you for your word, which is powerful, Father. God, I thank you for this passage in Titus chapter 2, God. And I, I believe that, you know, maybe sometimes we feel like I can never change or other people can never change. But God, we believe that, the, that, 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 that your grace is for all people. And we believe that through the power of your word, you can transform lives. You can take down boundaries. You can break down walls, Father. And I just pray as we sing the song one last time that you'll be glorified and you'll be lifted high. 